You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how to subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! One, two, three, four! Tricky game at Luton, comfortably dispatched. It must be evens now for City to go on and win that double treble, such is the inevitability of it all. Who knew that Rodri was the problem in the last few weeks too? Obviously, I'm joking. Don't cancel me. Well, not for that anyway. Uh, this is Let Me Talk. I'm David Mooney. With me is the Athletic City correspondent, Sam Lee. Hello, Sam. Hello, all right. You're all right. You sound uh, weary with everything. Well, my head's going, um, ole, 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 Oscar, Bob, Bob, Bob. I sound like I've been in Luton. Oh, fair play. Fair point, actually. I haven't been in Luton. I've just enjoyed the performance. And still am. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there was there was a lot to enjoy. It was a, a good night. Um, good, Like I say, good atmosphere. Um, I saw that tweet online saying, uh, you can tell the difference in the midweek away ends because the corporates can't be asked. And it's hard to argue with that because it, it just seemed like a proper city away end. Yeah, loads I was, of singing. I was going to save it for the end of the night. show, but uh, like I shout out to the away fans because they were they were fantastic all game. Uh, they went through uh, the apps. It was Burt Central because they went through the full repertoire of anti United songs uh, that I could, yes. that I could think of. Which you know, go when you're on telly, like that is proper Burt behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Um, it reminded me. Obviously, I know it's Derby week, but it, it reminded me that it's Derby week. Yeah. And this has traditionally been the week when I've not even said anything controversial. About Troubles just found me, and what, I've what, kind of learned not what, to uh, poke any kind of hornetsness. What do you mean? What's happened here? I, I, I've lost. I've lost what's going. Like, have you have you been causing trouble here? No, no, not this week. Oh, but right, in right. the past. Oh, right. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, I've not. I've not caused any trouble since I engaged in light banter with Pep Guardiola a week ago. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, I mean, you must be due some. So, do you want to do it now, or should we save mm. it for later for the members? <laughs> uh, the derby will be easy. It's Liverpool. I'm worried about. <laughs> okay. There we does, go. Does that count? <laughs> it might do. I don't know. Um, Let's let's start then. Uh, I, I wanted to start with uh, this from uh, Richard Burns, who basically said uh, Harland was playing on easy while Cruel was stuck on world class, and I think that kind of sums up the way the game was going. Um, because I mean, I mean, let me let me bring this question in from Niall as well, uh, who says, uh, and he's not going to let us off the hook on this one apparently, because he says I absolutely will not accept a bit of both as an answer here. Uh, were we really really good then, uh, with direct balls to Harland to beat the press, or were Luton just not equipped to deal with us, as in? Why was that option always on and to Harlan's feet and chest every time? And he was always a threat. I'm genuinely unsure whether it was the camera angle making the pitch look smaller, but there was never that wider angle to to understand the setup. And why did it always work? And why do we not do it more often? For what it's worth, one of the most enjoyable performances of the season. It was enjoyable because it was easy, wasn't it? Especially after that, the last few weeks. And it just this kind of the stress, particularly that Brentford game. We talked about that at length and how kind of anxious that was for the whole thing, on and off the pitch. Um, and it was quite similar to the Bournemouth performance, wasn't it? In terms of, well, I mean, it wasn't even knocking at the back. And obviously they did suck them in and, and draw Luton onto them. But it wasn't even like they were playing with it under pressure to then get it forward. It was like, let's just get. Ortega to bang it first time up to Alvarez <laughs> and then the question of why it was allowed to get into his feet every time and, and Luton didn't make amends for that I don't know um, but why it was effective every time is just because 
he's just an animal. Like if you allow him to get into those situations and you allow him to use his strength and his pace and like, I think we've talked before what we have. Um, in terms of his hold of play, sometimes he's he's more effective when he's not even holding it up. He's just yeah. holding off the defender and turning and running. The very last episode and, of this, we, we kind of really questioned his hold up play and then like tonight happens. Yeah, well, the thing was, and again, in terms of it working every time, it worked every time that Haaland was on the pitch. But when Alvarez came on at the end, I felt good for Mengi at the end, the, the Luton centre-back, because I thought he actually dealt with Haaland. He obviously didn't deal with him well. But he I scored five, was... mate, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. But I mean, in terms of like the balls into his feet, like I said, why did it work every time? Why did it not change? Why was he not given support? Like You're just one-on-one against Haaland. The kind of odds are in his favour, considering... You know, he's in front of you. He can hold it up. He can roll you. He can use his strength, which might even dwarf yours. How often does he come up against somebody who's stronger than him? But he actually marshaled him quite well in some of those scenarios. But like when he can just turn and run in behind or if he's just running in behind and De Bruyne is playing the pass, you just knack it, aren't you? Like I would love to know not so much how he feels because I almost, I feel like he wouldn't be going home tonight, Mengi, thinking... Oh God! Like just hating life. I almost feel a bit like, well, what can you do? Yeah, what can yeah. you do in that kind of scenario? Um, I don't know if you saw this actually from your position, um, but uh, when Luton made it three-one, uh, and this, I'm very sorry, I didn't, I, I don't remember the name of the Luton goal scorer. Um, with Clark, Clark, cra- if, you, if you're interested, yeah, uh, absolutely cracking finish. Um, after the ball had hit the net, him and Bernardo were laughing about something and it looks as if Bernardo had just basically gone, well, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those where I think Clark didn't even celebrate. Obviously, they were 3-0 down anyway and it just felt like, even at 3-2 when he scored again, it just felt like, well, this doesn't matter because City are going to go and score a lot more. Um, but when he scored, there was just, it was almost that kind of appreciation that, you know, if somebody scores an amazing goal in training, everyone's just like, well, you know, it kind of takes a breath. We talked about that De Bruyne goal um, against Swansea in 2018 when he's banged in the top corner and everyone in the stadium, including the Swansea players, just watched it on the on the big screen before the game restarted. It, it just felt that kind of level of respect. And he was just just kind of held his hands up as if to say, oh, fuck it. Fat goal that was. Yeah, that, that was just an, an, absurd, an absurd, absurd goal. Carry on. Um, but yeah, like, it, just to go back to the Haaland and De Bruyne partnership... They had a, a chance to do it again at the start of the second half. And I tweeted, like, if these still stay on for the next 10 minutes at least, they'll get four, you know, assists and goal combinations, or maybe even five. And then Clark scored the second. And I was like, oh, I could feel a bit stupid now. I was like, well, I don't feel a bit stupid because that, st- that option is still very much on. And then yeah, it was still straight there. away they went and did it again anyway. Yeah. Um, but and it, it, was in- it was enjoyable just for that. Like, it just felt like an easy game. But... Not just easy because the opposition was crap, but just because City just came up with a plan and, and manoeuvred it so brilliantly. But it was interesting when Guardiola talked about them two afterwards. You know how he always kind of drifts into analysing the game regardless of the actual subject. And obviously all the questions were about Haaland, really. And he was like, whenever we played one touch, we gave it away. But when we had three or four touches... We could move their structure, they lost control, and then we could attack at the right moment. And again, it is just that, you know, I don't know how soon we're going to get to Grealish, but it's the extra touches, it's the patience, it's the doing things at the right time. And I know we always talk about it and rush in. You know, I said last week about the Brentford game 
people wanted City to move the ball quicker, but I felt they were impatient. They were doing things too quickly. I feel like that's the best that Guardiola has ever articulated that, or at least I've paid attention to during his time at City. Yeah, in terms yeah. of how that works. Yeah, and um, when you look at uh, that De Bruyne and Haaland combination, um, uh, the, the, I mean, I, I guess the pleasing thing that there's two pleasing aspects to this in that, like, I know Haaland's been scoring the goals in the last few weeks, but there has been question marks over him getting in those positions and just like, mate, that's a that's a that's a good chance for you. Find the net at some mm. point. Um, and then you look at, at the game tonight, and he, he missed a couple of sitters after he missed uh, yeah, a couple yeah. after he's uh, after he got two. But then he was like, okay, no, I'll dink this one over cruel this time. And then he just kind of found mm. his feet from there on in and, and kept banging him in. Um, and at the same time, De Bruyne, when you when you consider the worry that we've all had about him over the last few weeks of always oh, this, you know, that they're really being careful with him, they're managing him kind of, they're managing his minutes. His hamstring is obviously that, like Guardiola said, niggles, and then everybody kind of lost their heads because there was the potential mm-hmm. for that to, to 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 kind of blow up. And then you look at the the way he was charging around the pitch and the way he was, uh, the, the, just the way he was playing. He clearly felt all right. He did. He, he came through ninety minutes and and kind of like if there was any doubt about him and that game's safe when all the kids came on he's coming off um so like you've got two things there two major things in the last few weeks that actually we've been talking about and like like if we're going to see city click you need you want to see that sort of change happening um and i mean it's only one game you can't build a, a, a kind of a body of evidence of one game but it's really encouraging signs that those two both were, were clicking together and harland was finishing de bruyne was was looking back to his normal self yeah and not just the finishing with harland but just the kind of the aggression he played with, the way that he was chasing stuff down when it wasn't just a through ball, but like a ball into the corner. Obviously, his 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 duels with Mengi, but yeah, like in the second half, especially when he was down, because I was in like I was in the gantry, which is like the overspill position, which is a really good kind of vantage point. I feel like that's probably the perfect height that a football analyst would choose to watch a game from because it's close enough. Um but not too close, so you can still understand it kind of tactically. And it's high enough to get a good perspective without being yeah, too far away. It was perfect. Um, that being said, I didn't manage to get any tactical insight whatsoever because I'm, I'm still a moron. But the view was good. <laughs> didn't want to say it myself. Um, but, you, but you could really see Haaland chasing after stuff and winning stuff, and he, he just had that kind of fire back. And I saw somebody say, they felt he looked really disconnected against Bournemouth, like he didn't want to be there. And he was only one person. And again, it's just the kind of you can't you can't take one tweet or one X as like an example of something that, that's necessarily true. But it, you know, is I suppose once I saw that, I thought, okay, maybe his you know his body language was a bit different. It's not, and I wouldn't say I'm only saying this now in terms of the fire being back. I wouldn't have said it then. I don't think it's the right phrase, but you know what I mean by saying like yeah. it felt like the the fire had gone out a little bit. Well, let me give you. You wouldn't have seen this because this is something that was. Uh, I, I don't think the TV coverage picks it up particularly well. But there was a moment in the first half. He'd already scored two by this point. Um, it may have been after his hat trick. I can't really remember. Uh, but the ball had gone behind for a corner. He'd won the corner. He was he was chasing it down. Um, and he rolled it to the to the corner flag and was just kind of sauntering to towards the six yard box. And the camera was close up on him. And clearly, you couldn't see what was said from the crowd. You couldn't see the crowd, but clearly somebody had shouted something at him. 
and he kind of screwed his face up with a little smirk and all, like through I'm I'm lip reading here and I'm, you know I'm not an expert lip reader but he clearly said something like oh come on mate like I've scored three or scored two that sort of thing like like whatever you're saying okay. it's just it, it's kind of like it's it's Teflon I'm Teflon it's just bouncing off me it's not it's like yeah. not sticking to me sort of thing um and it like in that moment I kind of felt you know what I haven't seen that for a while from him. And it's the sort of, uh, you know, the Ben Godfrey thing from uh, the one old draw last season when he was yes. like just taking the piss yeah. out of him because like, I've not seen, it's like he's not been as relaxed as that for a while on a football pitch. And it's very easy for me to sit here and say, you know, he's been, he's not been very relaxed recently. And that's why the chances that he's missed, he's missed, even though he's still been scoring the odd one here and there. Um but at the same time, like it would be very easy for me to say, actually, look what happens when he is relaxed and when he's more in it. And maybe that is fire in the belly. Maybe it is just not the anxiety of, of having missed it because his first chance he put away. And like maybe that lifts the weight off him. I don't know. Maybe. I bet even that was that was great movement as well. Like talking about Mengi handling him well, like he had up until that point, but then that was just a classic start behind a, a defender in their blind spot. And then as that as the defender's focusing on the cross, you just move and you could see Mengi was just lost completely. And yeah. then once he got into that space, yeah, he had the chance. Maybe it was a bit easier because he wasn't really arriving at the, with the ball at the same time as a defender. He was just arriving at the ball. to He could just focus on the finish. Maybe that was an element of it. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like, you know, everything, watching him after the game, was I right in saying that Alfie was on the front row? Oh, I didn't spot that, so I don't know. I, again, I saw a tweet, and the and the away fans were singing, you know, the the Yaya Colo song with Alfie and Erling, and that could just be because you know he was he was scoring goals and why not? But it may have been because he was there. And then afterwards, when Harlan was kind of waving to the fans, he was kind of like, "Oh yeah, look at that, look at that," and he was saying to Akanji, "Look over there," and it, it could have easily been, "Look, look, my dad's there. Have a look," kind of thing. Um, so maybe may, may, maybe there was there was that element to his kind of celebrations afterwards as well. But it just, yeah. I mean, again, it's easy when he scored five goals and played really well, but it just felt like the old Haaland. And like I said, I wouldn't have said the fire's actually gone out. But yeah, that that feeling of inevitability hasn't really been there this season. Um, It's funny, actually, when he went through for the the third one. Yeah, for the third one, I thought he's going to score this. And then... um, the second the second half when he absolutely belted it and it went through Cruel's legs, um, mm. it went straight through Cruel and he and and it was the power that took it in. I I got that same sense of he's just going to score this now, and I've not had that for a while. Yeah, um, I think we would have said after the Everton game that we'd hoped that was coming back, and then mm. obviously it didn't, did it? Chronologically, because the Chelsea game was after that, and it really it really didn't. So it is impossible to to know. But again, you know to to mention the greatest thing again and what we've been saying in recent weeks City haven't been playing well at all in our opinion certainly and I kind of put that to Guardiola afterwards and he didn't he didn't disagree but also we didn't really answer the question so he might not have understood it but basically what I was asking even though to kind of convey this point to Guardiola so one he understands what I'm saying and two he understands why I'm saying it and how I'm saying it is difficult but it's what we've been saying like City haven't been playing well but Harlan's had loads of chances anyway. And if he puts them away, City are winning regardless of how they play. And I don't feel that's the case because the whole point of last season was Harlan was scoring loads of goals in the first half of the season and City weren't at their best. They were still finding the best way to play. They were still behind Arsenal in the table. And look, when the team gets 50 points in the first half of the season, then there's not much you can do. But City didn't look particularly, particularly strong 
it's probably like now. And so the whole point of the, the treble, as we know, was them clicking and finding the right balance and Stones going into midfield. And that's when they went from an excellent team because they've always been excellent, even in 1920. That's still excellent, really. But not... Very good. They were very good. Ec- all right. But, well, I, I, we, we mean the same thing. They're either yeah. excellent to then step up and then become one of the best teams of all time, which is what we're talking really. You know, to still get over 100 goals and the most clean sheets, you've got to be... Whether it's your definition, very good, or my definition, excellent, we're saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They've always been that. And last season, they were that. And even the first, you know, the first kind of month, few months after Liverpool won the league, they weren't great by any means, were they? But they were still very good by my definition. I'm going down another level. <laughs> you'll probably say, good, this is getting confusing. But then they clicked into gear last season. So it can't be as simple as Haaland could just keep scoring and it doesn't matter how City play because that wasn't how last season went at all. But just on the basis of the last few weeks and that Chelsea game, and even even Bournemouth, like it wasn't his goal, but he had the shot, and it was the ball over the top to him. It was him holding off the defender. It was his shot, and Foden tapping it in. His efficiency can mask a lot of problems that the team have got, and there's not massive problems in the team. But is that difference between very good slash excellent and the next level up, which is you know treble winning or at least treble competing? And I feel like Haaland in this mood, <sighs> yeah, I don't I don't fully believe it because. I'm not sure if City can play like they have been recently at Anfield and expect to give him that many chances anyway. Mm. But there is the evidence of recent weeks, isn't there, where they don't have to control games as long as he's scoring. And that might get them through some tricky games. It might. I think they'll be fine on Sunday, but that, that might be the difference on Sunday. We don't know about Anfield. We don't know about Brighton. But obviously without Grealish... Because look, like it or not, Grealish is one of the guys who's going to get them back to their their best level, if he's his best level. Coming up after a short ad break, we'll talk more about City's win at Luton. Focusing on Jack Grealish, we'll look at Jeremy Doku's efficiency and we'll talk about Matthias Nunes as well. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. 
That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Let's talk about Grealish then, because um, I, I tell you what, Guardiola went big in the pre-match, didn't he, in, in kind of uh, letting the message come through of what he wants from Grealish for the end of the season. And then he gives him the chance to start. I thought he started really well. And then the image of him on the bench with his head down, with a coat over his head, just like clearly distraught at what had happened. It, it just... I, it's just going to knock the wind out of his sails. Yeah, um, it was bad enough against Copenhagen, wasn't it? Like you say, um, because you know it's funny he he got the winner at Luton in the league, didn't he? Um, and back then you think, what was that, tenth of December, something like? You think, okay, this could be like lift off for the season. And then I can't actually remember the specific ups and downs of why he didn't get back into the team over the course of Christmas and the New Year. But obviously, it got to the stage where only two weeks ago. Um, in Copenhagen, it was okay. This is the big chance, and obviously he started really well, and blah blah blah. And then, yeah, great news. He's not injured. Comes back, and then it happens again. He looked devastated on the on the bench, as everyone could see. He's he put on Instagram tonight. You know, hope my injury isn't too bad, which is an obvious statement. But also, I feel like it's not a statement you'd put on Instagram if you thought it was going to be much worse this time. Um, but the problem is, of course, if you missed only two weeks. You're missing big games there. And like I say, and I don't need to elaborate it any further because I've been saying it for three years, they need Grealish to be at his best. And to be fair, he's not been at his best this season, but to be at his best and the way he kind of, on little evidence, suggested he was playing against Copenhagen and against Luton, that's what they need for them to be properly stable and you know have more touches, not rush their attacks and all that kind of thing. Particularly because, and I'm kind of hesitant to say this because I was always like bigging up Grealish even at the start of the season when Doku was flying but Doku's not had a good game in a while he's not had a good like a real solid contribution in a while and I I don't know I've seen a couple of shouts for Nunes playing wide instead of Doku against United and Liverpool and Nunes is a, a funny player but I, I I see it and it may not be Nunes it may be somebody else um, I would like if Guardiola was fit although if, Gra- if Guardiola and Walker have to do their going up the wing thing at Anfield, you're relying on neither of them to shit the bed and let Salah in. And I'm not entirely convinced that <laughs> they'll do that. Um, but yeah, Grealish's importance is obvious. It- it's weird now. Obviously, look, people people do know this, but it's it's weird to see on Twitter so much after the Copenhagen game. Oh, we were so much better with Grealish on the pitch. I was like, why is it taking 20 minutes against Copenhagen in the last 16 game to notice what's been obvious? Certainly the the back end of last season in massive, massive games. Like, it, it's very unusual that it, it kind of it's took that up. long. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah like, again, Doku, when he had that chance, you know, the reason the reason games that are like three or four nil at half time. They, sometimes teams have score one in the second half, but some really get out of hand, don't they? I remember on the Athletic a couple of years ago, somebody got battered. I can't remember, but it was like an, an eight kind of situation. And it was like, speak to people who have, you know, been on the receiving end or been on the giving end of, of big wins. And I spoke to Stephen Ireland, obviously, about the the eight nil at Middlesbrough, but also one, they mate. beat Liverpool 6-1. Greatest, Sorry, greatest goal of the game yeah. by Alano. So you're not getting yeah. away with that here. No, sorry. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm going to skip over because it's Derby Week. I'm going to skip over a similar reference. Um, <laughs> there was, um, but he he was also at Stoke when they beat Liverpool six one on the last day of the season. He's like stuff just starts flying in, and when Doku cut inside on his right, manoeuvred the space for a shot. You just think he's going to put this in the top corner, which is obviously a difficult skill that most people can't do. But a player like him, especially it just for whatever reason, with the with your team already scoring five or six, you just think he's going to put this in, and he didn't. And you just think. He's not got the efficiency at the moment to to justify putting him into the the really big games. Yeah, um, let's discuss. Which Nunes. is fine. Like I, to be honest, I expected that when he signed, and he he outstripped my expectations massively. Like not immediately because against Fulham he was crap, but after that he was brilliant. And then he's kind of regressed a bit, which is fine. Like I'm not gonna again, you know, I can't be hypocritical and give Grealish the benefit of the doubt for 18 months and say Doc is crap. I'm not, but at the moment, I wouldn't put him in. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Nunes. You mentioned him there, and uh, we've had an email from Jamie who says, uh, Hi guys, writing this at the 68th minute of the Luton game, and the player I'm noticing is having a massive improvement is Mateus Nunes. He's getting into great positions, playing well in the team, and really looks like he's slotting in well as the season goes on. Doku, on the other hand, seems to have lost his shine a bit, not really creating anything, and little end product. Probably why we missed Kevin De Bruyne so much. Feeling for Grealish, a huge part of our squad with countless problems this season. Hope he gets back to form and fitness soon. Yeah, um, Nunes was good. Good enough. Better tonight. He is a funny player, though. Like, you know, that that quote that Guardiola said, I wonder if I'm going to be ever, ever able to get past it when he said, along the lines of, he's got skills that a coach can't coach, but he's got deficiencies that a, a coach can coach. But I feel like those deficiencies are going to need to be co- coached out of him, like, quite strenuously but he does do some things very well yeah what Guardiola said there like you can't teach him the way he glides away from people let me bring this in from Max as well because he says uh on Nunes um I know it's too early to judge and he clearly has qualities but Nunes seems like a strange player to me he's good on the half turn a la Foden he has great technical ability however his weaknesses when it comes to passing accuracy and judgment on the ball is obvious what strikes me as particularly strange though is that he seems to almost be afraid of the ball and or challenges there was the chance in the other game can't remember which one it's absolutely the Everton game and Pickford um when it looked like he could get onto the ball before the keeper and did didn't even try and today there were several situations when I thought that it would be in a good situation and then lost the duel without even challenging for the ball if you compare that to most other members of the City squad they all seem to be working extremely hard for every ball for Luton's opener he seems to be doing his best to avoid being hit by the ball I'm of course not saying that was his fault but that City conceded that brilliant goal but his behaviour confuses me yeah under weaknesses you put brain like it just like when in fact when Guardiola mentioned you know when we did one touch we we lost the ball there was one early on they were City were in you know how they're so good in, in tight spaces they'll just make two or three passes and just get the ball completely back under their control move it back to a centre back they came to him and he tried to back heel it and they lost it and I was like what are you doing like, what are you doing now? he'd already made the good contribution for the first goal at that point so yeah that's what I mean like he is he is just a strange player There's there's good and bad and it's it's always on display in the same game. Today there was there was a lot more good. And to be fair, I actually thought going back to that quote, which still haunts me about my own contribution to to football about having no arse. There was one time in the first half in the far corner where he did hold it up quite well, and I thought that was better. But yeah, I know, I know exactly the point being said. You know, he, yeah, he he doesn't always not. It's not even like just getting stuck in. It's just kind of yeah, just a bit, just a bit lightweight, and. 
Like, I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but, you know, if he's going to get to that stage, like, you know, like Rodri, Bernardo, et cetera, et cetera, where they go from first season struggles to amazing, like, it'd be a hell of a transformation. Yeah, but, but it's funny, though, because... I you know, you can see the raw abilities, yeah. but I do feel like the, the yeah, the, the stuff that does need to be coached, it, like, it does need to be, like, strenuously coached, I think. And maybe it's just because of how it looks, but it doesn't look like a lot of information gets retained. Yeah. It's probably harsh. But, well, but it harsh. That's, that's quite harsh. But it, it, it is funny, though, because... Um, it looks like that, though, let's be honest. <laughs> as, as, maybe, maybe that's what this podcast needs, more controversy. Maybe, maybe. Uh, as Max says, though, like I do see it. I do see like, like the times when he gets on the ball on the half turn and carries it. There was a moment in the second oh, yeah. half where he carried it into... I think he he created a chance for himself inside the box where um, he ca- I think he carried it in in the first instance, knocked it to De Bruyne and got it back, and then took it across the front and had the shot. And it's every time when... He, he, like he, he gets into those positions and he, he seems to get there well and then it's almost like the shot he, it's like he doesn't believe he's going to score does that make sense yeah um again it's all it's, it's definitely hard to what well, it's hard it's impossible it's it's harsh to to look at what footballers are doing on the pitch and say oh it's because of this or it's because of that and you know I, I always like to avoid doing that I don't like to do that at all um, but it's certainly understandable. You know, he does look like a footballer that's kind of lacking belief in in some aspects. But again, even if that were the case, that, I mean, it's, it's likely to be the case, just going by what other City players have been through, the changes they've had to make to their game, almost being reprogrammed, the way they've talked about their first season at City, it would be no surprise, actually, if it looked like he didn't know if he was coming or going or what, what he should be doing. Um, there was, you know, a time in the first half when... Because he wasn't, he was on, he started on the right wing, but he wasn't always on the right wing, was he? He was just inside a lot. You know, both games City have had at Kenilworth Road this season have just not bothered with the right wing at all. Um, but there was there was times when he should have been on the right, and you know, Harland was telling him like, "Get over there, mate." And so there's obviously a lot of information to take on. But another thing is, and he, look, comparing people to Phillips is pointless because Phillips obviously had well, he's just like the worst example basically. But if Guardiola didn't think there was a player in there, if Guardiola didn't think that he could trust him. And I know Nunes hasn't played loads, but he wouldn't have played anywhere near as much as he has. You know, to start at games like Bournemouth and, and Luton away, which, you know, non-City fans listening to this might think what you're talking about. Those are like not that difficult games at all. But the way that Guardiola thinks and the, the way that Guardiola like kind of worries about these games. And I know he rested Rodri, which is, a sign, which is probably the only sign he's actually resting players or like thinks that it might be easy slash fully necessary foot slash I, he can get away with I don't it. think he thought the it only was player, easy I thought he thought it was absolutely necessary that's it yeah exactly yeah. but like if he'd have if he'd have rested any other player I don't think you'd have noticed because it would have just been like oh well yeah De Bruyne must need a, a rest because of his hamstring or oh yeah Harlan's being rested because oh maybe Harlan's another one but like if I'd have been Stones you'd go okay he's managing his fitness um, Diaz like he didn't play managing his fitness Obviously, Edison situation. Like, there's, there's no team that City could have picked tonight that wouldn't have been considered strong. I actually thought it would have been a bit stronger. Um, I thought Rodri would have just played regardless. Um, obviously, it's good that that he didn't. And probably, if they didn't have such big games coming up, he may have done. He, yeah, he may have done. Um, I just, I was just skipping ahead there to to Copenhagen. I wonder if he'll. I wonder if he'll play next midweek. Well, Maybe it, that's too little football then if he misses two games and he's just, in inverted commas, got the derby yeah. 
and Anfield. But it, it does. It kind of it speaks to like the commentary at, at, uh, on the game at uh, at three one. Uh, there were still suggestions that you know at half time Guardiola might make changes, and I was kind of like, lads, you, yeah. you, you're not paying attention to what Guardiola does. He thinks like like Luton have just scored right on the uh, like as, as half time is approaching. There is no chance that Guardiola is is weakening this City team because he knows this game is not done. And then like if he makes changes and then it goes to three two, it's like okay, well this is panic stations now. And yeah. instead, it was it, like it never got to that point because Guardiola is, is as we always keep saying, ultra conservative, ultra safe, and like anxious about every little thing that could go wrong. And so, you look at uh, in that light, it is interesting that Rodri wasn't wasn't part of the of the starting lineup. Just well, or, or even off the bench, just because. It, it screams that, like it's what it comes back to. It screams to me that it just has to be necessary for for managing his minutes because he he gave that interview, didn't he, over the summer where he's just like, I can't do it again. I just cannot do that again. Yeah. Give it to us in in some high rise skyscraper in Tokyo. Yeah, um, back in the days when it was like, yeah, well, surely he'll get a bit more rest this season. But apart from being sent off, he hasn't. Um, yeah, I still I can't believe as well we're in twenty twenty four in terms of like seven eight years into Guardiola's reign. And we're still getting, oh, I can't believe he's playing. Oh, he shouldn't play. It's like, these guys have the information. <laughs> they know who should play. And then, obviously, the logical conclusion to that is, Grealish goes off injured. Oh, he was rushed back. They shouldn't have done it. Why do they do this? Why do they take the risk? Who's got the information? And I know this is kind of bordering on, well, we can never criticise or we can never say somebody's got something wrong because they've got, but they have got the information. They know exactly how fit a player is. They know exactly how ready a player is. It's the Bruyne. It's the Bruyne from that um, uh, documentary that City put up about his man- managing his fitness. When uh, like because the the criticism was he should never have played that opening game at Burnley. And then when you see the behind mm. the scenes thing, he was ready and he was fine. He, he felt fine. And there was no kind of like the data and everything said he was fine to play in that game. And then he pulls up. So yeah, I like. Um, Guardiola said, I know it's Guardiola saying it, so if you were fully into thinking that Guardiola's rushed him back against the advice of the doctors and Grealish, you could think that he was covering his own tracks, but he was like, he felt really good. Like, Grealish felt absolutely fine. Um, and look, I don't know, maybe there's an element there of Grealish going, maybe he thought he, he would have had a bit of a problem, but, oh, you know, the situation he was in, yeah, I maybe can manage thinking, this. I'm desperate, yeah. I, I, need, I need to play. And if, if so, you know, that's on him, but only one person really knows their body kind of thing. But it's just like, yeah, like, are you, really? Like, are we really saying, oh, he should come off? He, They know what they're doing. Like, especially when it comes to, like, there was no, you know, by the end of the game, Guardiola wasn't keeping De Bruyne on for the full thing because of he was worried about Luton winning or coming back and doing something. It would have purely been at that point about what De Bruyne needs or doesn't need. And they've they've judged it in the way that okay he needs to play. All the other guys who came off, you think, well, yeah, that that's good. They're safe. That's fine. But like if if De Bruyne plays the rest of the game, then there's there's a reason for it. And it's like even even whether it's that kind of oh this guy should be rested, this guy should be rested. And I saw a couple of like predicted teams on Twitter that were like like Gomez playing. It was like <laughs> again like oh, like what. What are we doing, really? Like, do you know why City have been so good in domestic cup competitions? Do you know why they win all the time? Like, they 
they don't make these kind of frivolous changes unless they're playing a team that's much lower than them at home. These are the only circumstances when that happens. And then, yeah, when it comes to injuries, it's like they like they know how important Grealish is. If there was a risk, do you not think Guardiola would go, actually, oh, I'll wait until the harder game to play him. I'll play him against United rather than against Luton. Like, why, why would, if there was a risk, why would they take it? It just, like, just, it doesn't make sense. That's it for the free version of Let Me Talk. There's more for members, though. If you go to lmtpod.com and sign up, you'll get longer ad-free episodes. Sam, for the Luton Review Show, what is there for members? Yeah, loads. Um, does the Luton game tell us anything about how City might approach the trip to Anfield? Bernardo's best use, Ortega again. Stones coming through uninjured in his third game in a row. Kovacic being good. My photography skills. Akanji looking assured and the team for the derby. That's all for members. Those ad-free episodes are longer and they're out earlier. You can find out more on lmtpod.com. If you want to send us an email, it's hello at lmtpod.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, so just search for lmtpod on there. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.